0: Are you a wannabe redneck, or are you full-fledged already?
1: (laughs) Totally wannabe redneck.
0: (laughs) Hope Talk, a PCM podcast. There he is. Hey, Jack Cassidy how you doing, man so if i knew your middle name i usually throw off artists when i start talking to them by introducing you by your full name so i i found i guess a grandfather that you know has like 28 other names but not jack and so <laughs> what's what's the middle name
1: it's gordon uh i was named after both my grandfathers so jack was my dad's father and yeah. gordon was my mom's dad uh so, Jack Gordon Cassidy. Jack
0: Gordon Cassidy. When was the last time you heard it like that? Uh, Only by my family
1: when they usually get kind of mad with me. <laughs> <laughs> They'll use my full name.
0: Did that happen uh, often?
1: Say again? Did that happen often? Uh, Growing up, when you're a teenager, yeah, a few times. Too oh, many, yeah. I
0: guess. But. Now, now, how many brothers and sisters do you have? I have one brother, and we're...
1: He's three years older than me, and we're as tight as can be. Did you Here all?
0: Are. Did you all fight like crazy when you were growing up, when you were little kids? We really
1: didn't, man. We only had like a few scrapes. Uh, in those scrapes, it got a little too heated, but <laughs> <laughs> we. Uh, no, we we always just hit it off, and until to this day we we're just yeah just in a pot.
0: <laughs> awesome! That is too. How often? When was the last time you got to see your brother?
1: Uh, not too long ago, like I think he was here two, two and a half weeks ago. Oh, cool! It's Ten days in Nashville with me, and we wrote songs and took him on some vacations, and it was nice.
0: So, was is your brother your brother a songwriter as well? He is. He's a he's a songwriter and mainly
1: a guitar player. And it's my plan to take him on tour when I go out. And we just have a strong connection on stage. And he's the guy I grew up, you know, doing music with. So yeah, it's really. really something powerful.
0: That's super cool. Now, if you don't know Jack, Jack grew up in L.A. and uh, now living in Nashville. What's been the biggest culture shock moving from Nashville? And how long ago was that, moving from L.A. to Nashville?
1: It's been – I think it's been two years now. Um, And the biggest culture shock was – man, I really don't want to insult my hometown at all. (laughs) But but the people in Nashville are just so down-to-earth. in a way that's just culturally different than L.A. L.A. is so fast-paced and you don't take time, you know, the culture there is just you don't take time to really get to know people and invest in people or, you know, talk to strangers on the streets or, you know, connect with just your neighbors around you. Um, So having that within like the first four days of me moving here, I was just like, hitting it off with people at the gym and the most random places. I was like, this is this is incredible. This is so much more in my heart. I'm such a relational human being.
0: Earlier this morning I had Darren from uh, Darren Mulligan from We Are Messengers on the show and I was okay. asking him the biggest difference in Moynihan, Ireland where he's from and here in the United States and he said exactly what you said, only substitute LA and Nashville for Monaghan and and uh, in Nashville in the south here. He said that huh. in Monaghan people were more friendly there they'll greet you they'll wave at you stuff like that as opposed to here where people don't make eye contact that's a pretty cool pretty cool thing coming from one part of the country to here but yet there's always some people that are friendlier somewhere else
1: of course i mean yeah i, I think a lot of other countries have america beat in this department <laughs> i like i i spent a lot of time in uganda and Oh man, you come off the plane there, it's a whole different ballgame of, oh, yeah. of just love and, and humility and gratitude and just people that are so, you know, so thankful that you're there and they just express that. And so that's amazing too.
0: What's and the connection to Uganda? Say again? What's the connection with Uganda?
1: Uh, I started off going on a missions trip out there when I was in high school ministry in the... Uh, you know, it was a little bit sheltered with my church and I I always, I wanted to branch out a little more. So I, you know, prayed for that opportunity and then got open the door like three years ago where I got, I went there to do a worship concert for 30,000 people, Wow! which was, uh, which was more than I'd ever seen, you know, live. Uh, but it was such a blessing to be a part of that. It was like a 12 hour worship night and, you know, I was just one of the acts, but, uh, it was, yeah, I got to do that, and then spend time uh, most of the time there with like an orphanage in a, in a hospital medical center, and just love on these people, loving these kids and serve in whatever way I could and they liked they enjoyed my music so I'm but who do you who do you,
0: th- who do you think gained more from that though you or the people you were serving there
1: It was me, yeah, you always think you're going to serve and you just end up getting served. <laughs> <laughs> uh, isn't that
0: funny? Yeah. <laughs> how, how many of the Ugandan kids did you try to sneak back with you in your suitcase?
1: Hey, there's a couple, man. <laughs> there was one little girl that oh, I really wanted <laughs> the cutest. Uh, oh,
0: man. Well, anybody that has done any kind of Google search on you or anything like that or knows anybody about your past, you know, you've, you come from a performing family. You mentioned your brother plays and, and sings with you. Of course, probably the most famous is your grandmother and your uncles. And I know every single interview, you can't get away from this question. But uh, <laughs> Shirley Jones and the Partridge family, uncles, David and Sean Cassidy, the teen heartthrobs back in the day there. Um, do you remember ever getting anything for Christmas or birthday that wasn't Partridge family related? <laughs>
1: uh, you know, to be honest, we didn't really, Partridge family wasn't really brought up. We were just the normal family. We tried to keep our business in the business and then just come together.
0: So uh, no lunch boxes, You didn't go to school with a Partridge family lunchbox? Yeah,
1: you know, it would have been really cool. It's actually, I told my dad, I was like, we got to get our hands on one of those because <laughs> I, I would still—I haven't mean, used a lunchbox in a long time. But if it was that, I'd probably, I'd probably rock it.
0: And nobody uh, ever dropped you off at school in the in the multicolored Technicolor bus or anything like that, right?
1: <laughs> that would have been that would have been something.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but no, we—I uh, had a normal family life as as you know, famous as my family was in the eyes of the world. Uh, they were just a normal normal household for me and my parents were amazing and in bring me up with a lot of love. Yeah. And family's always been super supportive of of just me. And then later on when I decided to go into the business.
0: Well, you mentioned you your grandmother and or I mentioned your grandma and your uncles, but your mom and dad, both performers on Broadway and incredible and, and the things that they've done and your brother. Um are there, is there anybody in the whole Cassidy family that you know of that's not musical or theatrical? Is it a choice if you're born into that family?
1: Uh, he's gonna kill me. <laughs> my, my uncle Ryan was the one uncle that kind of skipped that. <laughs> really? What, <laughs> Granted, what? he still he had he had different passions and different stuff. He still got into the business. He's a he's been a set decorator for a long time on on TV shows and movies, and he's still been around the whole nine yards. But he never really inherited the voice. <laughs> okay, so
0: he's not a performer. But he's very artistic and using his skills and gifts there.
1: For sure, yeah.
0: Wow. That's pretty cool. Well, with with this whole celebrity aspect of that, growing up with that – A lot of celebrity families, we learned, have struggles. There's a lot of struggles and things there. How did your family, because you all had your share of them as well, how did you all handle those? I mean, I know he's not in your family, maybe a pseudo-uncle, but like Donnie, Donnie Badaducci and some of those people there uh, from there that your uncles ran around with your grandmother knew. How did did celebrity families, how did your family deal with issues like that?
1: For me, it was just, I think it was just like every other family. Uh, you know people have this idea of what a star is and they can be you know more than what they actually are but but we're just we're just normal people I'm not a star yet but they're just normal people <laughs> that uh yeah that just you know want to have a want to have a solid family life and and when you go through something they're just they're just there for you as, as parents as as uncles as as family as supporters so um I don't know if I have a specific answer for that, but.
0: Well, let's talk personally about you because I know part of your God story, part of your testimony, um, drug addiction was a part of that. What would, do you remember the very first time that you, that you experimented with some kind of a, a drug or alcohol or something like that?
1: Mm-hmm. I remember first time was uh, marijuana my sophomore year.
0: Wow. <laughs> what what yeah. did you know? Oh my gosh, this this is gonna this is terrible, this is awful, or was it just the thrill and the excitement of it that made you wanna take that first draw? Yeah.
1: There was a thrill and excitement. There was a there was a stage of rebellion and and all that and just the desire mainly at the beginning just to fit in, I guess, in some form with, with new people, new friends I was making. Uh, but wasn't a good thing <laughs> anyway, it, it, as, as small as the first experience was it uh, it led me to a it led me to years of a mess so
0: so they say a lot of times that first drink or that first draw or whatever is the gateway do you believe in the concept of a gateway drug that gets you more and more and more down that behavior there
1: yeah i mean there's definitely it's definitely a thing that some people are just prone to addiction and others can try it once and be like, oh, that was cool, and put it to rest. Uh, but if you have those addictive tendencies, then the minute you try something new that is a, and it, if, if you catch to it and it's something that is working uh, to self-medicate you, um, yeah, it's an easy way to, all of a sudden when something bad happens or when you get a little anxious, to have that first thought i'm going to go there to escape uh and and that's where just the cycle of that that thinking begins
0: gotcha do you remember when you suddenly realized enough is enough this is my breaking point
1: yeah it's i mean later so weed was the beginning and then it got into cocaine that was the that was the highest ever went but that was enough. That's, that's, that's all I needed to destroy my life almost. Um, yeah, I got so bad that, that I was doing it by the tail end of it, like for three days straight with no, no sleep and just wow, unable to stop, man. And, and there were a few nights, uh, it was, I mean, one night in specific, that was the biggest one. That was the kind of the turning point was where I just, one of those three-day vendors and I was up, uh, you know, my body was riddled with anxiety and just, you know, I'll keep constantly going high and low throughout the day and not sleeping. And I did one line that was too much. And I just started to feel my body shut down and my heart started beating uncontrollably. I, I, I freaked out and, and I literally felt like I was about to die. I was like, this is it. No service on my phone. I, I'm in the middle of Santa Monica and I'm going to be found dead here. Uh, and from that place, I, I cried out to Jesus with all I had. And cause he's the one though. I was far from him for in that season. I still knew he's his, he was powerful. He could save. so, and he's all I had and he all He was all I had in that moment. And, and when I tell you that <laughs> supernaturally, he really met me. He really did. Wow. And the peace of the Holy spirit just came in and just flooded me in the midst of my body, completely surrounded by chaos. And, and if I didn't have that, I wouldn't have been able, I would be anxiety and the would have taken over and I would have been done. I think my heart would have stopped. Uh, and he just gave me that, gave me that place. And I just kind of sat there and just accessed that all night until The drugs and the come down wore off, and and from that day, that was a that was a giant turning point. And since then, been three years clean.
0: Three years, congratulations, man! That's awesome. Was was Jesus your twelve step program, or was there a formal uh, program or something like that that God allowed to to help you kick it?
1: Jesus was my twelve step. Uh, I don't always share this, but because you know everyone has their own story, and I don't want to ever call someone away from, from what God's doing in them. But I did go to, I did go to rehab once and it was supposed to be 30 to 60 days. And on day 14, I specifically heard God's voice say, it's time to leave. And I was like, what are you talking about? Uh, And he says, this place isn't going to get you sober. I'm going to be the one that gets you sober. Wow. Um, And shoot. Okay. Uh, And if I, ironically so I was like no one thought I was hearing the voice of God but when I when he's like really clear I really know it was him And that time I really knew um and it it led me to uh you know I was newly clean and and I I knew it was something that was gonna work (laughs) uh but you know you need time for everyone else to get on board with that uh but the minute I left rehab it like i didn't have my phone the whole time and uh i got a call that it was that i I was invited to go on jeremy camp's tour and open up for him and i was like oh oh (laughs) (laughs) and uh so we 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 jumped on that and that's that's what led me to meeting micah tyler which is what led me to finding fair trade uh and to be established where i'm at now and like that was a that was a god divine thing that happened uh And yeah, and then he was the one that, it wasn't a 12-step program. He was the one that transformed my life uh, instead of me trying to work at it as much. yeah. There's definitely tools that you have to adopt and stuff like that, but it's living in Christ that really allows the
0: freedom I, I think i can hear your hesitancy to share because god is the great physician we know that and sometimes he can miraculously heal somebody of an addiction or anything just like he did you but sometimes he wants to use the full treatment process or the no. counseling and those type no. things and you just have to pray and and seek god's will perfectly in that would that that'd be a safe way to sum that up
1: 100%, man. You put it great, yeah.
0: Good deal. With, with celebrities, celebrity families, is it more difficult for celebrity families to be open to the things of God? And why, or why not?
1: I think so. Uh, tremendously, yeah. The, in, in that world, it's so easy to get consumed. So easy. And, and I, I, I saw it firsthand. I, my uncle did get consumed. And, and it, it led him to, you know, he was holding on to this, this image of what it used to be. And then he wasn't sure, you know, 30, 40 years down the road who he even was at that point. And it just, he'd used alcohol to numb that pain and it eventually just took his life. Uh, so in my experience, yeah, I think the only way to, to navigate this business without completely like some people do it great, but it's, it's, it's going to take a toll on you in some way. And if you don't, if you don't have God in your life, like eventually I think, you know, ego is going to start to come and, and all these different opportunities, you're getting so much flattery and that can be, if you're not, if you don't have the wisdom of Christ of that, you can just go in so many different directions and stuff. And, and I just, uh, so, jesus the holy spirit keeps me so grounded and i just uh i know when i have a peace about something that's that's brought to me like if there's an opportunity even if it seems good in the eyes of the world if i don't have that peace about it i won't i won't take it Um and it's worked out pretty good so far so yeah. jesus is the one leading my career and i'm, I'm gonna lean on him no matter how much it keeps growing
0: sure from what i understand god used your salvation experience your encounter with him to impact your family in a real dramatic way
1: yeah uh i was uh i definitely wore my faith on my sleeve and and yeah they they had been through all the all the stuff so (laughs) they they definitely knew my faith was very authentic and my love for jesus was insurmountable, but, but I definitely had real problems and real addictions that I was going through. But over time they got to see firsthand that of how, how God was working on me and leading me out of that. And, you know, and I, I, I did stuff like supernatural ministries where I saw a lot of healings and a lot of demons casted out. And I took videos of that. I'd show my parents who weren't really on board yet. And they're like, yeah, we can't deny that that's something different. Uh, so, um, eventually, I mean, God, you have to be, you have to be ready in your own heart to receive Christ. You can, you can give someone your testimony all day and it's, it's impactful and it can plant seeds, but it wasn't until my dad was going through his own real trial that he, you know, pieced together all the puzzles and, and, you know, cried out to the Lord when he needed help. And wow. yeah, he would tell you that, that I was probably the biggest reason that he, he went there.
0: That's incredible. When, when you were on the voice season 12, did you know at that point what you really wanted as a career?
1: No, it's where I found out. But when I, uh, when I went on, it was just a, a random opportunity that got opened. Uh, yeah, it, like I didn't go to the open call audition. My dad literally knew the musical director on the show. <laughs> had this, had this something in mind to go. You know, you wanna, you wanna call him and just go to his house and see if see what he says. I was like, okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I loved music, but didn't didn't see it as the path yet. Quite, it wasn't so obvious then. And then when I went on the show and just started having all these, it wasn't it wasn't the show show. It was it was more behind the scenes with the artists and being around other creative minds and other really talented people and, and just realizing, yeah, this is, this is where you belong. This is, this is the work you're trying to do. And, and they, they gave me pop songs on the show. And, you know, my first song was, what It God was one of us, uh, which is still a pop song, but I, I, I translated it into a Christian song. <laughs> so I think, I think that came across, uh, But still later on, yeah, they just, they wanted to make me this pop artist, I guess, but, which I could do, it's still stuff I grew up on, but where my, where my music has real power and real, um, what's the word? Real anointing is when I'm singing for, singing for Christ and singing from the spirit and not just, you know, singing about worldly things, but things that can transform.
0: Yeah. So on the, on the voice. How did you go from The Voice to being called to go open up for Jeremy Camp? How did that happen?
1: Yeah, there's a middle section. Uh, Right after the show, I met my management team, which is Litman Entertainment, Uh who managed George Michael, Matchbox Funny, Rob Thomas, uh, and a few others, but those are the the big ones. Um, Met them, had a great hit it off with them. They seemed – and they had – they already had opportunities that they were looking in before they met me and, and capital records got in hold hold of us, like within three weeks of me getting voted off, uh, which is, which is crazy, which is an amazing opportunity. So we went out to Nashville to meet with them. I never, I never signed with them, but they were a huge, a huge uh, stepping stone. And back in California, they would, they would book me co-writes with all the, uh, you know, Christian writers that were out there, yeah. and that's where I really started to develop to develop my writing craft because I was not really a writer until until the Voice. That's where I wrote my first song, where I was like, "Whoa, I can." There's something there. I can maybe do this. It was the first song that gave me some serious confidence, and then I just kind of snowballed on that. Um, but yeah, so then Capital Records saw those co-writes, and what happened after that? I got. <laughs> I was still at the tail end of my addiction, is what was happening. Uh, so there were a few moments where I just fell off the face of the earth and was going through that. But, uh, but yeah, and I think that was it. Then it led me to rehab, <laughs> and then it led me to Jeremy Camp.
0: <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Would you go back to the seat, to the voice and and serve as a judge or as a coach there in one of the revolving chairs?
1: That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. I would. Uh, I would do that in a heartbeat,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, on your record label, you've got Colton Dixon, American Idol contestant. You've got mm-hmm. Baylor Wilson, Survivor contestant on there. Between, I didn't even know that. Did you not know that's, that? Maybe, yeah. That's,
1: that's awesome. Like, yeah. Gotta, so between
0: the three of you, well, you don't know Baylor, but uh, between the three of you there, you know Baylor. You didn't know she was a Survivor. I, Which think, one, I think Austin French was on one of those Yes, shows he too. was. He was, too. Which one of you guys think had the most realistic time on a reality show
1: huh i gotta say baylor right (laughs) (laughs) could you do it could you do the survivor thing oh geez uh maybe once for the experience but (laughs) people don't seem like they have the most thrilling time but they're they're kind of glad they did it oh cool. Uh, of course but i'm sure that must have been the most you know real tv experience you can have i guess to be stranded somewhere i don't
0: know <laughs> run at the giant was your very first radio single from fair trade there what's it like to hear your song on the radio for the first time
1: i it's it was cool i it actually never played in nashville as far as and i think it or at least yeah nashville it might have played in tennessee other places but not nashville uh, so i never got to hear it in the car but i definitely like tuned into different stations you know on online and stuff and i heard it come up i was like that's really cool that's really something um so i I am waiting for that first experience in the car because i think that'll just be another (laughs) like that's that's where you listen to radio right so that'll just be another thing but yeah so but it was it was super cool to see it for the first time
0: well if somebody is listening and they haven't heard the song yet it's about fears what was your biggest fear growing up as a child
1: as a child uh it was a I don't know if I'd recognized it as fear then but it was I was I was battling depression and and anxiety stuff which was just kind of a, a natural mental health thing uh that I had to wrestle through and so and that and that would lead me to like in those low moments I really wouldn't be myself and my relationships would suffer and My my confidence would would get shaken and it uh yeah I felt like that held me back from from growing up a little quicker than other people. Yeah, I definitely I definitely matured in a lot of ways for people my age, but I was very immature in others. And and uh yeah, it was because of that. Yeah, because of. When you're going through struggles, you gotta, you gotta grow up a little faster, but at the same time, you're not, you're not, you know, just experiencing the normal life and growing gradually in that way. Uh, So that was probably my biggest struggle with the fear part was, was, you know, later on, which was, uh, you know, rooted in that, uh, in the escaping and then the fear of literally losing my life to an addiction that I couldn't control. That was probably the biggest
0: one you're so deep i was hoping you'd say something like the dark or sharks or you know forgetting your lunch money or something like that you know <laughs>
1: i was uh i was hard to shake up as a kid you couldn't, get, you couldn't get me with thunder or some monster in the closet i was i was i was pretty
0: oh yeah pretty <laughs> i'm pumped about your new song let go let god and i just realized honestly and getting ready to talk to you today let go let god let god i've been saying that all my life there's only one letter yeah. between the two between let go and let god the letter d there's only one little letter one small difference between letting go and letting god what's been the toughest thing for you to let go of control and trust god for
1: it's probably a uh, it's letting go of the vices for me and that's not just drugs that's that's anything that we use to to comfort ourselves that's uh, that's not christ that's not the the best way to to overcome those things so you know, so letting go of, you know, that can come out in so many different ways. Letting go of unhealthy eating habits, letting go of, uh, plenty of things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't really think of one at the top of my head, but letting go of, uh, for me, like uh, sometimes I'd get a little too codependent on my friends cause I, cause I was in a depressive moment. So I was like, I gotta go run to someone to help me, you know, get out of this moment. Uh, and And instead of doing that and putting pressure on them, I just started to go to Christ and quickly realized that that was a way better solution and that he could actually help and save and really do what I needed to, you know, be done. And so those are those stuff in that realm is uh, the stuff that I really focus on, really letting go and giving up to him.
0: Grandma Shirley Jones just turned 87 years old uh, here recently. Can Can she still belt out a tune?
1: she she can it's 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 not what it used to be <laughs> but, but you know it's never gonna be what it used to she had a gorgeous voice yeah. it was amazing when I when I heard it when I hear it you know in the motion picture stuff and but yeah it usually takes like a cocktail or two <laughs> before she'll uh,
0: before she'll really get the desire
1: to jump on jump around the piano.
0: There you go. <laughs> has there been a time when you knew for sure that Grandma or Mom and Dad were super proud of you?
1: Oh, f- from early on. I mean, it's not just my it's not just my accomplishments or anything like that. My my dad has been the best father I could ever ask for. He's just been so supportive every step of the way. And so, so in, and so involved as much as he could be. And, and yeah. And then when he saw around, you know, seven, eight years old, when I started to not become shy with my singing anymore and just one day, just belted out a note. And he was just like, what was that? <laughs> 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 and, uh and he just heard something early on and he says, we're going to, we're going to cultivate that. We're going to, there's something there. And, and, And he just kind of drew it out of me and and made me realize what my love and passion was.
0: Have you picked up your dancing skills from your mom?
1: A little bit, a little (laughs) bit. It is not something I lean on. uh, You know, with singing, I used to go into like restaurants and like in and outs back in California and stuff. And I used to just He's so fearless. I used to walk in with a ukulele or a battery-powered keyboard and just start singing for the whole restaurant, and I never got shut down. Uh, <laughs> in fact, they would hand me the <laughs> the microphone that they used to call water <laughs> <laughs> But would I ever do that with dancing? Absolutely not. <laughs> so, uh, so there's your answer. <laughs> but I can... I can get away with a first date, I guess, looking decent. So
0: Okay. All right. You mentioned Micah Tyler. He's the real thing. I, we love Micah around here. Is um, there been any other artists that maybe have taken you under their wing and are helping point you in the right direction?
1: Definitely songwriters. Uh, I just met um, uh, Ben Calhoun from – Oh, uh,
0: he's another one of our favorites from Citizen, uh, away. Yeah. Citizen Way.
1: Citizen Yeah. And uh, like I just met him like last week, and and it seemed like he really wanted to disciple me. He really felt led to do that, and and he was at, he's on the same label. Or he was on the same label yeah. as I was. So, and he's been through this business. He's had some success, and I think he just he can really help me navigate uh, the things that I can avoid, and then the things to capitalize on.
0: I've gotten so. to co-write one song, and it was with Ben. It's a, it? it's an it's an unfinished song still, but I got to spend some time with Ben and writing a song or, or starting to write a song. So That's awesome. yeah, he's the real deal. He really is too. What's yeah. been the what's been the best restaurant suggestion there in Nashville for you that somebody has made? And do you remember who it was that sent you to that place? Uh
1: Martin's Barbecue. Really? Is uh it was probably I think it was the first step we went to. It was like everyone was like, You gotta try the barbecue. I was like Sweet. I'm down. I don't know what it's going to be like. And uh, I got pretty blown away the first time having <laughs> that. Uh, so if anyone hasn't been in Nashville yet, I'd, I'd jump on there first. It's a, it's a good good vibe, good classy place, and the food is killer. So.
0: Sweet. Um, when you and your families come to visit, like your brother here recently from L.A. or from wherever, what's your favorite place in Nashville to take them and why?
1: Uh, a place called Puckets of Leap of Sport. Uh, not many people know about Leapers Fork, but it is—it was voted literally top five most beautiful places in the country to live.
0: Ben uh, Calhoun. and it
1: really is. There. It's where it's where a lot of stars live. Justin Timberlake's out there. Uh, Elton John, I think, has a house. Michael McDonald lives there. Uh, Chris Stapleton, and, yeah, but this just there's just just this local bar. It's just like a total small town feel. Like it's a place that has been kept quiet, so it hasn't been like commercialized too much. And I got I got introduced to that place super early on, and they have an open mic there every Thursday night, and that's where I've been getting so much live experience during even during COVID, uh, where most things have been shut down. I've I've been able to play live there every week, uh, and that's my that's one of my favorite places to be. That's, and that's where actually, that's, tonight.
0: <laughs> that's where Ben and I went for the first part of that songwriting experience to the little general store there in, in Leapers Ford there. You've you been there. I've been there. I've been oh there. well I, to the little general store. If it's the same thing with the gas pumps outside, yeah. Yep. I didn't know they did open mic night and stuff there. That's cool. That's cool. They
1: got good little cheeseburgers in there. Yeah. They got good little bacon, <laughs> lettuce,
0: and tomato sandwiches too. I think <laughs> that's what dear. I had that <laughs> day. So, hey, I, I saw on Instagram here real recently a post where you were wearing a NASCAR jacket. Are you a are you a wannabe redneck or are you full fledged already?
1: <laughs> totally want to be redneck. <laughs> Uh, I found that thing on. I vacated back to LA for a little bit. We went to Melrose in one of those big, you know, shopping centers. And I found one of those things. I was like, it just really caught my eye. Look, I like stuff that stands out. Uh, like I wear hats with like weird stuff on them sometimes. <laughs> Not too weird, but just different. Uh, I just, I like to be a little goofy. I have a goofy side to me. And, and I wasn't sure if it was going to work. I was like okay i'll throw down a hundred dollars to see if this works and turns out everyone loves it that i bring it around uh but no not a nascar guy i would go to a nascar game i'd love it but
0: you'd sing the national anthem to kick off the race if they asked you to that's uh
1: then i can can wear my jacket with confidence so the funny
0: thing is you went all the way to la to get a nascar jacket
1: isn't that funny not here in the south And I'm so pissed because they had a Ricky Bobby one.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: The Wonder Bread White. And I I didn't get it because I was unsure if even the first one would work out.
0: <laughs> so it's so safe <laughs> to say. I saw the response to that. I really should have gotten it. You don't have a favorite driver?
1: You know, Tony Stewart was, was one. And that's the one I have. He's, I, you know, I never really grew up on NASCAR, but I definitely. When I first bought like a video game, for like I, I bought a NASCAR video game, and he was on the cover, so I, I got to know him a little bit. But like, <laughs> he's like the only one.
0: All right, I'm going to get you off the hot seat here here real quick. We a couple of fa- fast questions here. You're still one of Nashville's most eligible bachelors, right? Or is there already a young lady that's making your liver quiver?
1: I am an eligible bachelor.
0: <laughs> All right, so what do you hope God has created in your perfect bride? What's the top two or three things you're looking for?
1: Hmm someone a girl is down to earth uh for sure that is that is probably just as quirky as i am <laughs> or at least willing to put up with my quirkiness and be be happy with it uh girl that loves jesus uh a girl that can you know uh as strong as my faith is a girl that can really pour into that and encourage me and strengthen me in that way uh so I'm I'm picky for sure uh, and but every every once in a while every few months someone will really catch my eye and I'll I'll start dating and see see what comes of it nothing's nothing's come of it yet so yeah I'm still on the market but, but that's
0: what I'm looking for so based on that description, you're probably better off to shop at church at churches than you are one of those butterfly murals there in downtown Nashville, yes. right? Yes, yes, yes. Stay away and from the bridge. Really, that's part. been really
1: hard because of COVID. So <laughs> you know, Jack's had like one date this year. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll shoot for next year.
0: <laughs> have you Have you really fangirled over any celebrities you've run into since you've been in Nashville?
1: It's, uh, it's mainly been with the writers. When I'd walk into writing rooms and see songs and awards on their wall of like songs that got me through high school, oh, <laughs> I, was like, yeah. I was like, yo, you wrote that song? Like that song got me through my junior year. <laughs> uh, so that was surreal to think I was, I was writing with someone that like, I was a big fan of their music. Uh, and that's probably been the biggest star-studded moment.
0: Okay, so Uncle Jack, if there's a child that's slaving away at the piano because mom or dad are making them take piano lessons, what kind of advice would you give to them if they're not really into it?
1: Uh, I'd say from from others, I mean, my experience is I just gravitated towards it and just fell in love with it pretty quick. But from what I've heard from other people, like, stick with it. Like, you will never regret it down the line. When you just, even if it's like a one chance at a party, and you sit down and play, and you meet your wife because <laughs> she <laughs> was drawn to that, <laughs> you'll never regret it then. Uh, <laughs> and it's just, it's just a great tool to have in your in your pocket. It's just, it's just fun. That's so awesome. I'd say, I'd say keep with it. It's a great discipline. It's a great, you know, good for your mental health and learning and getting smart. And yeah, stick
0: with it. Good deal. My last question for you, Jack Cassidy. How can me? How can our listeners pray for you right now?
1: Yeah, I've just I've just been asking the Lord myself, just as as things continue catching fire, just to keep my heart totally surrendered and totally humble before God, uh, so I can keep, you know, catching those those things that He needs to say, not not get caught up in the fantasy. Yeah. Um, so, just staying. Staying true to myself and staying true to the Lord is probably the main thing.
0: Can I pray with you real quick? Absolutely, man. Hey God, I thank you for Jack. And I thank you, Lord, how you've touched his life, how you've spared his life, how you've how you've created him and how you've brought him to this point in his ministry and in his life. God, we know that you love him so much. And Lord, as you are blessing his ministry and his career and taking it off, God, I do pray that you would help him just to stay grounded in you, to yeah. focus on you and what you have for him first and foremost, as as a as a child of his. And then, Lord, as you use him to continue reaching people and drawing them closer and closer to you. Hey, God, I pray that you would give him the desires of his heart as he is faithful to you. Just protect him and watch over him. Continue, Father, to feed those songs to him and the lyrics and the words that you want um, people like me and, and, and others to hear and to be gravitated, pulled towards you because of his testimony and just the smile on his face. God, we love you, and we expect great things from you through his life. In your name we pray, amen. Hope Talk, a PCM podcast.